Welcome to Reframe Your Life. I'm Joanne Gibson. And I'm Sandy Reynolds. Together, we bring you our podcast for women who want to live and lead their lives thoughtfully and with intention. On our episodes, we explore diverse topics relevant to all areas of our lives. Hello, Life Reframers. We're really excited today to bring you an interview with Mary Reynolds. Mary Reynolds is the youngest woman and I think the first Irish winner, I'll get her to confirm that, to win a gold medal at the prestigious Chelsea Flower Show. She's an Irish gardener and landscape designer, famous for her wild garden at Kew Royal Botanical Gardens in London. Her life was the inspiration for a film, Dare to be Wild. You might want to look that up on I think you can find it on YouTube. I found it just by doing a search on Under Dare to be Wild. She is also the author of a beautiful book, The Garden Awakening, where she explores gardening and nurturing the land and nurturing ourselves. And she is a mother of two children, a boy and a girl, and a son and a daughter, and uh, is a very busy mother from what I know and what we've talked about before this interview. She's been known to do uh, television programs about garden design and talk about the garden makeovers. Today, Mary is joining us to talk about her work and how she's reframed her life and how she's reframing gardening and trying to expand the way we think about our relationship to the land. So welcome, Mary. Thank you. It's lovely to, to be talking with you ladies all the way it's over great. there. Yeah, yes. it's great to have you, Mary. Where are you, where are you talking to us from? Do you want to tell our listeners? Sure. I'm, I'm in Wexford, which is in the southeast corner of Ireland. And um, I am sitting in my kitchen, which is filled with smoke because I just burnt my daughter's <laughs> dinner. And uh, <laughs> she got a toasted sandwich instead. So we're all calm now. Everything is calmed down, and um, yeah. So apart from the smoke, it's lovely here. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's getting wow. it's getting cold, getting cold and wintry. But um, this is a, a regular occurrence: the smoke-filled kitchen. I'm afraid domestic um, domestic duties are a little bit beyond me at the best of times. But I try. You try. <laughs> I love it, and. I love that you're Irish and your last name is Reynolds, and we're not related that we know of, but there's definitely a connection. Yeah, that's the way it works. We we probably are related. I mean, there's not that many of us really, you know. That's true. Um, There's probably just cousins at some point. We kind of give up after second cousins. There's too many of them around. (laughs) I know. There is. It's so true. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, I'm happy to launch in here, Mary. Your career uh, really seemed to launch when you won the Chelsea Flower Show. And and perhaps you were known locally before then. I'm not sure. I know what the Chelsea Flower Show is because I lived in England, but I'm thinking many of our listeners would not actually be familiar with the Chelsea Flower Show. So I know that you're pretty much royalty when it comes to gardens and flowers. <laughs> oh, well, so I wouldn't go that tell, far now. <laughs> <laughs> tell our listeners what, just a little bit about the Chelsea Flower Show and um, how important kind of that moment was for you. Yeah, well, the Chelsea Flower Show would be considered, um, it's, it's 
it's a it's a royal horticultural society it's kind of their premier show so people come from all over the world to display their garden design ideas or um their floristry or their you know it's all to do with anything to do with gardens and gardening really you know um and when i was 27 i was i'd been i'd been losing the will to live um because i was i just hated I had begun to hate designing gardens for people because um, it just all seemed so pointless and I knew there was something wrong with the way I was working. But because I'm not a very pushy designer, I, would, I wouldn't fit the, I, you know, I, I'm, I, I wouldn't be very good at bossing people around. So I wasn't able to convince any of my clients to let me use any of my kind of new ideas which would have been about working with land with intention and using native plants um in kind of a natural ecosystems you know mm. and um the idea of making a garden that was very irish um was very straightforward but uh, nobody had really done it properly before so um the only the only just you know I'm I'm sort of integrally lazy on many levels so the only flower show I'd ever heard of was the Chelsea flower show so I rang up the Royal Horticultural Society and asked them for um an application form and <laughs> at 27 and back, years and, old <laughs> yeah at 27 and back and back then it was very very difficult to get into Chelsea you know I, I mean imagine. they really only they really only accepted people that that they knew, you know, or that had a really good uh, kind of backstory or a really good CV, you know. I mean, they had to, and I understand it now. I mean, it, I mean, it would have been a huge risk for them to take somebody young who had no idea what they were doing, really, you know. So anyway, so the guy who answered was very, very clear. He said, listen, there isn't a hope in hell of you <laughs> coming into the Chelsea Flower Show it's, you know so there's no point in wasting your time we're not going to send you out a form so being Irish um, <laughs> that isn't an option being told no so, is that uh, where I, I get guess, it from <laughs> <laughs> exactly so there you go um, so so I kept ringing back and I kept getting this guy and he kept saying look as, and eventually he said look I'll send you one out just to shut me up I think really you know and um, so I hadn't heard from him, kept waiting for this form to arrive, occasionally rang to remind them and nothing had happened. And then one Thursday morning in August, I rang and they were all out at lunch and I got through to somebody in the office who wasn't the usual person. I think it was a secretary. And um, she kind of laughed and said those forms were sent out eight weeks ago and they're due back in on Monday with full sponsorship and full design details. Now, this was a Thursday morning. So I needed proof of a quarter of a million euro of quarter of a million pounds by Monday and I had to do a design with all the details. So I did everything over the weekend and I forged the sponsorship documents from an obscure company in Beirut that I was sure they couldn't track. And I, <laughs> I couriered it all back over to them and um, that lovely woman put it through into the judging panel's pile and it bypassed the usual... Um, things I mean I had wrapped the drawings up with bunches of wild mint because I I kind of work with plant intentions a lot and wild mint removes people's negative preconceptions so I thought and so 
So it must have been really oh. strange. Like you know, it would have, it literally would have exploded with wild mint when it when they unrolled. <laughs> like I mean, seriously, what was I thinking? Looking back, you know, <laughs> that was a negative thing to do to them. But um, they certainly would have remembered it. Like, but yeah, I got in, and then I had to surreptitiously go and find all this money without them knowing that I didn't have it. And rather than buckling down and doing that, um, I wrote a note and I stuck it on my fridge and I said, thank you for my gold medal at the Chelsea Flower Show and thank you for full sponsorship. And I said it over and over again until I believed it had already happened. And when I had myself convinced, I ran off to Ethiopia chasing a very handsome man and um, <laughs> forgot about it. And then just before Chelsea, um, just before we were due in London to actually build that garden, I arrived home from Ethiopia and there was a check in the door for the money we needed. And we went off to London and built it and we bet Prince Charles, who was the garden next door, which was very funny. And um, it was Okay. So so I think Sandy, when you first reached out to me, you said you weren't sure of what the Chelsea garden the Chelsea flower show was. And right. I said, Oh, that's a big that's a big to do. So now I think just <laughs> the whole explanation of like you need a quarter of a million euros to get in <laughs> and that is kind of minimum you know yeah and these yeah. are can i say like this is hoity-toity flower show stuff like this is <laughs> prince charles is in it you know? like, <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> that's awesome what a story you know we interviewed uh, another entrepreneur who started her yoga business when she was 24 and yeah. i said how did you get the courage and she said honestly i don't think i had an, an any idea what i was doing <laughs> That's a lot to do with it. Like yes. that, was a huge amount to do with it. It's only now that I realise the risk that I yes. took. You know, because if I hadn't have come up with that money, right? If I, if somehow I didn't have that absolute belief to make that money arrive out of, I mean, the way the money arrived was very miraculous. And if I hadn't have had that belief, there would have been a huge hole where the Irish Garden was supposed to be. <laughs> and that would have been like a national disgrace. Yes. <laughs> It occurred to me like that, that that lovely kind of um belief that you have when you're young if if you still have it, it at that age you know oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah if you haven't if you haven't been broken by life yet and that's what had happened I had managed to I get to that that far in life without getting broken yet and um that that now it's different I have to magic things up in a very conscious way whereas back then i didn't even occur to me that everything wouldn't work out. Yeah. Do you know that? Yes. I so. think that is one of the gifts of youth. You know, you have, there's yeah. an, an idealism and just yeah. a, a, um, an energy and a fearlessness around pursuing things that as we get older, we start to edit ourselves more and, and become a little bit more constrained in that. So I think it's yeah. it's a great story. And uh, <laughs> what happened to the Ethiopian man? Because I'm sure we're all wondering. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was an Irish guy that I chased to Ethiopia. He was oh. working on oh. a reforestation project in the middle of nowhere. So that that's part of the movie. You know the movie? Yes. Have you seen the movie I did yet, see or? the movie, but I don't think people, uh, some people listening okay, might not have seen it. Well, so. It, yeah, so it's a very sweet film. It's like a really simple and positive um 
you know, it's a very sweet, romantic kind of drama, you know. And, um, yeah, I chased them to Ethiopia and worked, did some work out there, designed a garden in the middle of nowhere up in the mountains in Lalibela, which was an amazing adventure. Slept in a mud hut and um, tried to pretend that Ethiopian floor maggots weren't crawling up my nose at night time, oh, that sort God. of thing. And then... <laughs> <laughs> anyway eventually I dragged him home with me and demanded he came back because I had it in my head really that I needed him to do the job which I didn't really actually but I got over that and um, I kind of I had a moment on a mountainside in Ethiopia where I I kind of stepped into my power which I hadn't done the whole time I'd been with that guy I, I'd kind of given him I kind of you know I kind of lent lent into mm-hmm. him too much and then at some point I suddenly stepped back into my power and then I went home and he followed me, which was great. Um, and God love him, you know, the energy of youth, I dumped him about a month later. <laughs> 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 you know, which is terrible. Like I was so, I, I had no sense of responsibility towards people at that stage. Like looking back, it's shocking really, you know. But luckily there was no children involved, you know. And he's still, gr- we're still great friends. Thank God he forgave me eventually. Oh, that's a great story. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I'm funny. I'm, I'm powerful. I, I don't need you anymore. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, so I, I want to know then, before we kind of leave this story about the flower show, I'm really curious from an entrepreneurial perspective because you started the story with saying your clients wouldn't listen to you. And I coach a lot of business entrepreneurs and and we're always like, who is our ideal client and what's your niche? And so how did your life or business change after winning the Chelsea Flower Show? Um, Well, suddenly I was working all over the world. Um, Wow. I was given massive opportunities and um, I never had to advertise since. so it 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 it's it's a place where fashions are made and designers are made. So I was overnight I was made, you know. Wow. And um so it was a huge thing. And then um and then I had kids very very quickly. Within 2 years of that I had my first child and that changed everything again because I did not feel capable of having other people raise my kids you know and I had two children within two years and then I became a single mom almost immediately Mm. and so I had two kids one of six months and one of you know two and a half um and I was on my own and I was trying to manage the design business which was in and out of the country and um high pressure and so Mm. I, I I kind of did something which makes absolutely no sense and I moved to the west of Ireland to the most remote part of Ireland you can get to um, the western tip of the Dingle Peninsula and um, rented a house and could not have isolated myself any more than I did or made it more difficult for me to actually get to an airport or you know um, I think it's it looking back it's very much like um Campbell's work you know Joseph Campbell the mythologist mm. yes I can see looking at his kind of way of looking at it that I part of your journey to coming into who you truly are is isolating yourself mm-hmm. um so that's what I was doing you know 
Um, and then, and then I, I found myself kind of rethinking what I was doing because I really slowed down. I started to do less and less because I found it was very difficult with the kids. And it was very, very good for me because I went from being somebody who kind of thought she was important overnight to becoming a single parent who lived on very little and, you know, only worked when she really could or really had to. And um, my ego got squished into tiny shattered pieces and um, I, I, I lost my sense of who I was. And so I had my spirit broken, which is really important part of becoming, becoming a parent, I guess. And um, I had to find my way out of it again, you know. And uh, then they made this film and um, they asked me to write a book or loads of people had asked me to write a book about my work. And I started writing about the real story of the film as such, but I had talked about that too much. It was way too boring at that point for me to keep writing about it. So I started writing about my work and very, very quickly I wrote myself out of a job, which was, which was um, really difficult. So as far as I was concerned, I was completely incapable of doing anything else. I wasn't trained to do anything. I wasn't very able, I wasn't even able to cook very much. I mean, the children were living on pasta really. And, um, I managed to learn how to cook. <laughs> I don't know, I burnt everything tonight. <laughs> Normally I get past that point. But um, I also rethought my work and I realized that although all the gardens I was doing were beautiful and they were designed within the shapes and patterns of nature, so they weren't blocking the flow of universal energy in, their, in, in these spaces, they were still suppressing the intentions the land had for itself. So I wasn't working in harmony with nature. I was still fighting against nature. So mm. I had to stop working and rethink everything I was doing. Um, so yeah, basically my life has been a series of, of, of bumps and restarts and reframes. And wow. uh, here I am um, at the end of that particular journey, um, starting again, you know. So it's good. It's good. It's wow. a good reframe. Yeah. Yes. So I wanted to just back up a little bit even into your childhood and talk about what your relationship was like to the earth growing up and where where that passion came from for landscape design. Is that what you call you call yourself a landscape designer? Is that the the way Well, I call myself a, a reformed landscape designer. <laughs> I don't I, I really I, I, I really don't know what you would call me really because um, I'm more of a midwife these days. I kind of I still design all the time, but my work is about interpretation of what the land wants to become and what the clients need. So I'm more of an interpreter, whereas before I would have actually designed what I thought was best as opposed to listening, do you know? Yeah, um, wow, I love that. A midwife. That's, yeah. Wow. I do. Yeah, so uh, when I was young, um, I grew up on a farm in Wexford in the southeast of Ireland and um, here where I am. And I, the land was really, really different when I was young. The land, it was really, really alive still. Um, Anyone our age or older will remember that time when, when everything was still buzzing with life. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And things are different now. And But back then, before the blanket spraying of chemicals in agriculture, there was still life everywhere. And um, so I used to have a lot of freedom. I was the youngest of six children, and you would wander off and nobody would mind. You know, you'd just disappear off into the fields. And um, what I had an experience when I was... And I was about six, um, five, six or seven in around there. I, I don't know exactly. Um, but I remember my legs were short and plump. <laughs> um, I know it was May because the hawthorns were blooming. And I wandered into a little field at the top of the farm. And I had an experience there, which was very simple. Basically, when I walked into the field, I f- remember feeling that there was something happened behind me or there was some feeling of a presence behind me and I turned around and the gap which was four meters wide um, had just closed behind me and there was no way out of the field so all the shrubs and trees had literally closed in and the gap which was literally I had just walked through was just gone and I couldn't understand it it was very frightening and there was no way out of the field there wasn't a hope I walked all the way around crying my eyes out um a few times and I couldn't find my way out I have a very distinct memory of this there was no way out and eventually because the sun was shining I kind of got distracted and sat down in the grass and you know noticed all the little flowers and the butterflies and it was warm and I calmed down and nothing really happened other than I noticed all the plants were alive in a a way I hadn't noticed before. So they all had different personalities and they were all looking for my attention and they wanted me to notice them. And um, I I couldn't understand that. It was only when I was years later, I mean, I, a neighbor shouted over the ditch at some point and I turned around and the gap was back. That was, I was there for a good part of the day. But years later, when I was writing this book, I, I, I've often wondered what that was about. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that it was, it was about um, family. Um, like the earth is this huge, big heart, okay? And we've shattered it into tiny pieces when we started to look at the earth as something to own, as opposed to something to take care of. So when each... Each, each little piece of land that is owned by somebody is like a tiny piece of that shattered heart. And all of those um, little pieces become part of your family. And, and the plants in those pieces of land, which are your gardens, if you're lucky enough to have one, they're, they're, they're part of your family and you're part of their family. And they, that's what I, happened to me when I was a kid. And it was only when I was writing my book that I started to understand how important that was for me to call you know to reconcile my relationship with nature and the way I worked wow so the midwife in my kind of simplistic understanding I know in Australia for example which is often in drought conditions you know the movement is more towards planting natural plants you know plants that are wild basically mm-hmm. is is that what you mean about when the earth kind of speaks to you about what it needs is that what you mean um or have I just screwed that up 
<laughs> oh no, that's all. That's all perfect. Like the earth, I I look at the land as as a cleared piece of land, like a bare field site, which is just a, a lawn or you know a, a, a cleared piece of land, whatever it is. Is I look at it as a vulnerable child, and we're its guardians, and it looks to us its guardians because it has no control over what happens there. It knows that we're going to direct it, so. It looks to us as guardians for direction, and it land is alive, same way we are. That body of land is is like a whole world. It's a whole world which is an, a kind of an overall energy um, and a personality, and it, it's it's low. It has it feels love. It feels hate. It feels damage. It it, it learns how to heal. It. it it's exactly the same as any other body. And most land wants to become a woodland. And our job as guardians of this world, because of all the creatures that live on the planet, above and below the soil, above and below the water, we are the only ones without a role in that circle. And every time one of those creatures gets removed from that circle by us and our activities it's it's crumbling the circle and um the reason is that we've forgotten our role in that circle of life is actually to take care of them all that's it we're here to be the guardians of this planet we were put here to look after mm. this place and so having forgotten that um we've forgotten what what we're supposed to do so most land wants to become a woodland and our job is to guide it to that end place as quickly as possible. But we don't allow too much of it to become heavy, dark woodland because most the most life can survive in a more of a... Of a, a we have to keep the light coming through. We have to... We have to we are, we're kind of the light holders. So we, so we have to make sure that we don't allow it to get too dark in there. So we have to constantly work with it and manage it to allow the light to come through so that there's multiple layers of life in there so that the ecosystem is healthy and strong and can support as many creatures as possible, including us. Mm. So working with the plants that are naturally growing in a piece of land is vitally important. You have to, because we, we don't understand most of the relationships between, you know, bacteria, fungi and mm. insects. We don't understand most of it i mean maybe there are people out there like diana beresford Kruger, who's one of my huge heroes she lives in ontario i don't know if you know her um she wrote the most beautiful book ever called the global forest and um she's a woman from ireland who um is, is an esteemed scientist and um she understands all these connections and cycles but she's just highly intelligent and I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't even, wouldn't even know where to start, you know. She's fabulous. I got yeah. to meet her recently. Um, and it's one time when you meet your heroes and they're even better than you imagined, you know. Mm -hmm. It's always the women for me, though, like Jane Goodall's the same. I mean, the, the, the bright lights, like it's, it's up to us to, it's up to us to, to change this whole mess we're in. Because mm -hmm. the, the earth embodies the feminine energy. And mm -hmm. it's a, an absolute, the health of the land and the earth and the sea is an absolute reflection of 
health of the feminine in the world and in in us and and the the way women are treated is, in the world is shockingly bad and the only way we're going to to rebalance that is by healing the land and all that will will change then I mean, we have to keep fighting on the levels we're fighting as well and i do think it's changing because the consciousness is changing it's mm-hmm. going to change i mean women aren't going to keep putting up with this you know mm-hmm. it's just horrific the imbalance is awful um in so many parts of the world it's it's beyond awful so yeah mm-hmm. it's going to it's going to change i think i think the light is starting to come back it just had to get really really dark first mm. so we're on yes. the way yeah. i agree i see more and more um women banding together around environmental issues and concerns and um, taking action to try and advocate and influence for for the earth, you know, in, yeah. in so many different ways. I was wondering, um, you know, uh, on this conversation around caring for the land, you obviously, you know, from your story, had a connection from a young age. But I also think that as we've become more um, disconnected from the land, you know, the majority of people live in urban settings where there isn't that same kind of connection that people would have growing up on a farm. And we, you know, buy our food all packaged, mm-hmm. you know, some, I, I can't tell you how common it is for me to talk to people who don't even know where their food comes from. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, it sounds like it's crazy, but it's not uncommon. Mm -hmm. Is it something that people can learn or how do people, how do people get back into that connection once, if they've never had it? Well, if they are lucky enough to have a garden, that's the most important thing they can do. So they have to start growing their own food because the food that they're eating is poisonous. There's no two ways around that. Even if it's organic, it's not good enough. Um, all the food that's being produced by industrial farming these days is, is, is poisonous. So if you don't have a garden and you can't grow your own food, then you have to support a local organic supplier. And there's some really good... Um, uh, local small-scale farmers popping up everywhere these days, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're producing a lot of food in no-dig, organic, chemical-free, diverse situations where they're actually caring for the land as well, you know. Um, I've taken it a step further because, look, the, 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 the reason that we're all disconnected from the earth And the reason that everybody feels a lack of connection, a lack of meaning in their lives, this is my understanding of it now, is that we have lost our connection with the earth beneath our feet. And our role here is one of guardians. So if we've lost our reason for being, then we've completely lost our, our understanding of why are we here. So why are we here is one of, everyone always asks themselves this, what am I doing here? What is the point? And the point, if you remember that you're here to look after all these creatures, you're here to mind the butterflies and the bees, you have to stay well to look after those creatures. And if you're, if you're not growing your own food, then 
there is no value on the earth being well anymore. If if you don't need if you don't grow your own food, then the only value you have left on land is for it to be pretty. And if you transform that into the way you look at women, if the, if you don't need women to be well or healthy or productive or or fertile anymore, you just need them to be pretty. And that's the way people look at women these days. It's how young women look at themselves. Mm. And it's extremely depressing. So the most important thing we can do is to, to, to step out of industrial farming system and to return to growing your own food. And by doing it in a way that allows the land to become what it wants to become, which is a multi-tiered woodland system, then you are really stepping back into your role as a guardian because you're creating a diverse ecosystem which takes about you know as long as it takes to raise a, a child as it does to bring a garden back to full, full health to an abundant state where you can then step away and allow the mature child to continue just being a, a, a healthy individual independent of you so the abundance is not available immediately because we've done so much damage, we have to really help it get back on its feet. Um, so in the meantime, you still have to grow your food in more traditional ways, like in, you know, raised beds or, you know, um, hugo cultures or all the different ways people grow their food. But even if you can start with that, even by touching the soil with your bare hands, by walking the soil with your bare feet, the enzymes in your skin will react with the bacteria in the soil and they'll release dopamine, they'll release endorphins in your brain, they will they'll make you happy. And you'll you'll find you'll find your way back to health um, along with the land. Um, mm. a very simple way of of, of stepping back into health. Uh, because you can't walk away from the system that we're in. Not if you have kids, um, not if you're got mortgages, taxes like everyone is tied into corners. So the only way we can really step out of that system and really do something positive to heal this planet is to take the little pieces of shattered hearts that we call our own. And if we enough of us can bring them back to full health and, and feed ourselves there, um, the industrial farming system will have to change because nobody will be eating that poisonous food anymore. It's poisoning the earth poisoning the air, the water. 75% of all insects have disappeared from the planet in the last 25 years. Um, wow. That's kind of Armageddon. Um, we, are, we, are, we have to stop supporting the system, which is full of cruelty and poison. So it's a very simple thing. By growing your own food, you're reconnecting with the earth again, and you're healing yourself and the piece of land you're working with. Sorry, that's a very long rant. No, that's 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 great. I uh, one of the things my husband and I like about living in Ontario versus Calgary is that we have a longer growing season. Okay. Uh, and and love it. Um, but you're kind of encouraging me to embrace the squirrels who keep stealing our fruit and veggies as well. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't. No, you have to tell them to stop. <laughs> I have to tell them to stop. They can. That's right. Yeah. That's another one of the things people have forgotten is that we have the ability to be magical and we have the ability to communicate with these plants and with these animals. So 
for example, in my garden, I will, we have a major problem in Ireland, Sandy, you'll know this, with slugs. Um, or you'll know, Joanne, because of England, mm. the same thing. Slugs, I don't know if it's a problem there, but slugs will eat everything overnight, you know. Mm. So I go out and I talk to them very, very clearly. I explain <laughs> to them, I know it sounds crazy, but this is this works. You've got to try it. I love this. You've got to try it. It's like, you know, the slug pellets will kill the slugs, but then it'll also kill all the birds that come to eat their poisoned yes. bodies. It'll kill the hedgehogs. It'll kill everything. That It's a very, very, very dangerous kind of blind system. So if you talk to them and you explain to them in a very clear kind of, you know, like a, like you're talking to a child. It's like, mm. this is not okay, all right? So you, you, you can have some of this food, but you can't have most of it. But for me, what I do is I give them very, very descriptive directions to the compost heap. And I tell them, I supply them with food over there. They can go over there and eat as much as they want, but they can't have any of this. This is for me and my kids. They move overnight. and They never give me another heart. They never come back again. So um, it's the same with caterpillars, for example. I, mm. I tell them they can have one plant, um, but leave the rest alone. They move overnight onto that one plant. Um, and I explain to them that if they get hungry and they need to take the next one, that's fine because I value their their um, role in the system. Um, so the same with the squirrels. They can be very cheeky you now. They have to be very, very solid about this. <laughs> and it really works. So it sounds as, like as mad as a brush, and that's very possible. But um, <laughs> for some reason, it works. And, you know, a lot that. of people are trying it, and it's working. But you do have to believe it, and you do have yeah. to be very respectful and understand and very, very firm and explain that this is this is what's happening and you appreciate their role. You, like, you have to be respectful. And it works with deer and rabbits and all the creatures that wow. are giving people up time. And we have them all here. I, yes. I, I think that's funny because when we were planting this year, we always plant too many tomato plants. And my husband said, let's just only plant like three or four. And I'm like, no, let's plant what we usually do because we know the squirrels are going to eat some. <laughs> so, kind of the same philosophy, but I'll try harder next year for sure. <laughs> I love it. I am actually inspired. I like talking to trees, so now I'm going to take it to the rest of the garden. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But, you yeah. know, it is, you know, you mentioned about talking to them like they're children, but children have that natural capacity in to talk to to bugs and to to creatures yeah. in the garden you know it's something we seem to unlearn I think as we as we grow yeah. and mature mature in quotation marks we we lose <laughs> we lose the um ability to to have that magic I think we just you know it seems well people think we're crazy right yeah. like, like you rightly said Mary it sounds crazy <laughs> but it works but you have to yeah. believe it works right like I love that yeah, you also have to remember that one of the methods for the patriarchy to, to, to destroy women's power over the thousands of millennia that it's been destroyed was to make fun of us. Mm. So unfortunately, mm. we, we tend to forget um, and we're afraid now to, to step back into those roles of, 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 of magic and power that we're totally capable of. And um, I mean, it's 
I get, I, I've, I've, I've laid it out in my book very much in a step-by-step way, mm-hmm. you know, how to connect in with all that magic in the world um, that's been hidden from us for so long, you know, and it's so simple. And all it is is believing in ourselves again and um, remembering that it's, uh, it's okay to be, to be, you know, as powerful as we can be, you know. Yeah, you know, you're, I, I totally did not know this episode would kind of be so related to what I call the feminine and the feminine energy. And I facilitated a training for women on Sunday who were working in a very male-dominated environment. And, um, you know, part of the training was just letting them connect with each other yeah. and, and talk and feel validated because some of them have really are really struggling and have really been downtrodden and won't go for the promotion because they're in such fear and and won't grow themselves, if I can relate it back to the earth, you know, won't spend any time and energy and effort. And Mm -hmm. one actually said, I come to any training this women groups offers because I I know I need to practice my self-care and invest in myself because I've forgotten myself for so long. So it's kind of like what you're saying about the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the exact reflection of it. I mean, it, if we can, I mean, I, I truly believe if we can reforest the land as much as we can and, and, and take notice of and love as much of the land as possible, it'll, it will transform um, our own relationship with ourselves and with men. And, you know, it's a funny, it's a, it's a funny way of looking at it because we're all up here struggling trying to fix things and it's not working, you know, mm-hmm. but um, the land is slowly degrading hand in hand with feminine energy. So um, if what if we just flip it around and heal all the land, see what happens, you know? Oh, I love this. I, yeah. Me too. Yeah. And it's amazing because I know for a fact that it works, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's not like I'm fixed, you know, I'm still at the beginning of my own land journey because I've been doing it for everybody else mm. it's just that my observation and my understanding um I, I I absolutely promise you I don't think I'm I'm any better than anyone else I, I I just I have an understanding from years of working with land and um I mean I have five acres of land which I'm have I've I've got permission to build a house on do you know um and I'm going to live there with my kids and I'm going to create a garden, which is a living version of the book, basically, so that oh, people wow. can come and, and learn and, and, and stay and learn and um, just be in that magically magical energy, you know, that, that I want it because I know how to bring that magic out of the land by noticing it and loving it. And just like any child, like if you, if you have a piece of land and, and you just dress it up like a normal garden is dressed up, um, and you dress it up in nice fancy clothes, and you invite the neighbors around, and like you know, you tell the garden or the child that it has to smile and look pretty, and you're going to punish it if it doesn't, and you're only going to love it if it stays exactly as you've imagined it. But it can't help but burst out of the seams. It can't help but become its true nature. It, it develops into a teenager. It, can't stop itself but we just punish it and squish it and cut it back and dig it out and um it's 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 
it just wants to be loved so it tries really hard to stay small for us you know um so what i know how to allow that energy and and to to love it into into true health and um, i've seen it work for so many other people and transform their lives and um, that's what i was going to ask you about when you've seen it with clients or because there must be some transformation for them going through this process of hearing these from you and working out what their garden's going to look like yeah there always is there's always a um generally when i come back with the work the design work it's basically what they've asked for and what i've listened to um and what i mean by that is there will be symbols and patterns in there that are kind of healing specifically to them and their family and to the land which they have been attracted to there has attracted them in um because generally the land that we choose to work with or live on um will require the same levels of healing that we need ourselves um in our family dynamics or whatever you know so my my land and i always say this my land has very very clearly got major problems with rejection and abandonment mm. and it doesn't trust trust me at all like it's just every time i go over there it's like yeah right you're gonna stick around <laughs> i don't believe you and it just ignores me it's really funny um but i'm working really hard to get there but i i have i did build one of these gardens specifically um uh, years ago with my manager in her land and um it's when we started it's when i realized i had to do something different but and i've been doing it for other people since but yeah just trying to figure out how to do it for myself now we're just yeah. raising money at the moment to set that up so that's good fun yeah i one of the i think you just answered about three of my questions yeah. and one of them was what's next for you you know there's been you've won the the uh flower show you've written a book there's been a movie made about you but I just it seems so clear to me that there's there's something uh, much deeper ahead for you in terms of healing and hel yeah, helping people absolutely. really reframe their life to use our yeah. our terminology yeah. through reframing their relationship with the earth and I think it's it's so beautiful I just I love what you just said that your land needs the same healing that you need like I'm just I am actually going to sit with that after we get off and really think about that like because I've lived in my house for three years and I don't know what my garden needs <laughs> and, okay yeah but that's because you didn't you you haven't been ever aware that I mean this is all old knowledge Sandy you, you this mm -hmm. when you read my book you'll realize there's nothing in it that I'm saying that isn't true um, and it's not anything new like it's instinctually real and important but every culture if you go back far enough will have said all this stuff you know mm -hmm. we've just forgotten it yeah right mm -hmm. so you've just forgotten you know? yeah or stop listening you know I think that's part of it I haven't really sat and listened so it's I think my next thing to do so I I've just loved what you've shared with us thank you well, well so Sandy, I'm going to take it an extra step further. Yes, I'm feeling it. like, I'm feeling like, this is what we do, Mary. Okay, so we <laughs> but that's like, totally cool. Yeah, Sandy is always the one who wants to focus more on nature than me, and 
but I'm the one with the um, garden, the veggie garden every year and the bigger yard and things like that. Um, but Sandy, I feel like you're you're boxing your land energy in, right? Because you've you've you're in urban and you've got the Bruce Trail for sure. But as she was saying that, I'm like, Sandy needs to get into more land space. <laughs> <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. What do you think? I don't know. I just like I, I do. I I just like I do have your book, Mary. I have it sitting right here and I've like gone through it a few times and I love it. And I I think that this has just been um, the piece for me, and I think this is going to be the piece for people listening, or the women that listen to our program, is that it's not something you do separate from yourself. It's as you get in there and get your hands into the garden, you're going to find yourself. And I love that. Yes. Yeah. 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 And maybe after That's you it. do this fancy course. And- Sandy's doing a course to get back more in touch with nature next year, and I think that's awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. You can yeah, teach me yeah. a thing or two about that. That's great, and maybe um, we'll we'll come to visit you in your in your garden. And, yeah, uh, do that. I'll, that would be I'll hopefully be up and running by the end of next year. So yeah, yeah. It, that, life is so frenetic. You know, you know this, guys. It's so mm-hmm. busy. It's it's hard for people to calm down enough to listen. So. That's why working with your land in a very slow, um, gentle way, like I put out step by step in the book, is is so important. Because you can't leave a lot, piece of land go wild. That's that's really important because people always think that's what I mean. But uh. it's like if you let a child go wild, it's exactly the same. So the the the, the thing is, it might survive, and you know. Usually it will eventually find its way to full maturity, but the, 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 it'd be an awful pity not to have a relationship with that child. Mm. And that's the missing kind of magic, is that you can actually form a bond and relationship with your land and plants the same way you do with a child. And so you can either, you can either let it go wild and have nothing to do with it, but it'd be an awful pity. And because we've done so much damage at this point, we actually have to work really hard to fast track the land back to full ecosystem and a full health and abundance. So it's it's not it's not really okay just to let it go because all sorts of things can go wrong. You know, it could get attacked by deer, attacked by a virus, attacked by, you know, forest fires. Anything can happen. So you really have to work really hard to care for it, give it boundaries and direct it in the right direction. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. It's all about parenting, really, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much. I, I know our time has um, gone beyond what we planned, but there's been so much depth. And when Joanne and I talked before the interview, we were talking about how we weren't really sure what direction the interview would go in, but I feel like it had a very specific way that it wanted to go and I think that's um, a lot of that is because of your intuition and just the way that you showed up for us today so thank you so much Mary you're so welcome it was great I love I loved and enjoyed chatting to you girls thank you very much thank you and we'll put all the details in our show notes for our listeners so they can connect with you and your work and follow up and see as your story continues to unfold brilliant okay thanks a million thank you
Hi Life Reframers, did you enjoy our episode today? If so, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. Also check us out on all our social media avenues via reframeyourlife.ca.